All right, welcome everybody to a fun episode of Flip the Record today. We got special guest Alex. What's going on, Alex? What's up, Joey? What's up, Joe? Same as usual, man. Glad to be back. Uh, glad to have Alex's studio. We wanted to do something like this for a while. We had Mike, obviously, a little while back, but uh, I thought this was a good one. Alex is a big uh, Jack White fan in general, not just White Stripes. We're doing White Stripes today, so I thought that would be a good mashup. Hell yeah. Before we get into it, I got one music adjacent story I wanted to tell you. Oh, I got, I got a few things adjacent to music, so go ahead. All right, so mine's relatively quick here. So last uh, Sunday for Father's Day, we had the family over, and we have a park in the backyard behind us. Yeah. And they had, uh, I, I don't know if it was Father's Day celebration or, or what, but I, I think it was a bunch of uh, people of, like, Indian heritage. Okay. So they had, like, uh, we were sitting there, and then all of a sudden they had, like, these loud, like, drums oh, and, Jesus. like, this music kicking in. And, and, like, after, like, a couple songs, we're like, I think they have a live band in the park. Yo. Like, they were playing live, you know, Indian music. And it was so loud. Like, it sounded like we had a speaker playing it, like, the Indian music in our yard. And it wasn't – it was, like, the music itself was fine. Like, it wasn't, like – but it's just obnoxiously loud. Yeah. So total dad move. My dad goes to the <laughs> to like the front yard, calls the cops. Oh my! <laughs> he comes back and then like like twenty minutes later the music stops. He's like, and then I was like, oh, like, I wonder why the music stopped. He's like, oh yeah, I called the cops. <laughs> classic old man move. <laughs> oh dude, that's honestly like. As you're calling the cops, you got to realize, like, you have to have that self-realization, like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm doing this right now. No, the- he didn't care. <laughs> that's even worse, honestly. That's how you know you're old. That's, like, the the official transition into being old. The first time you do something like that, instantly get your AARP card. <laughs> and I told him, I was like, Dad, like, you're being a hater. And then he got mad. <laughs> <laughs> Not only was he like very self-aware, but to the he like was so far on the other side that he didn't give a fuck what they thought about it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Yeah. So what what was yours? Okay, so I got a few things. Um, so last weekend I went, I went down south. Uh, parents got a new place in Florida, so we went and checked that out last weekend. Had a good time with the family. All good. So this is we've done this before on premature bingo. This is an am I the asshole? But I need to know if I'm the asshole and to what extent I probably am the asshole in this situation. So we're sitting at the airport uh, getting ready to leave in uh, Florida. And I've got my Michigan crew neck on. It says Michigan across the front. Um, so that that is an important part of the story. Um, so I'm sitting in the terminal and with my mom and my sister. I'm quietly just kind of reading a book. The, but the seats are starting to fill up. I think we're boarding in like 20 minutes or so. Maybe not even. It was like probably closer to 10, but any case, again, not relevant. And uh, so all the seats around us are kind of packed in and people are hanging out, just doing whatever. And this guy sits down across from me. Uh, it doesn't like I don't even think twice about it. I just keep reading. And after about a minute or so, just sitting there quietly, he just says aloud. And I wasn't even looking at him. He didn't like he just says, you a Michigan fan? Now, imagine my reaction to this. I kind of, there was nobody else sitting near me that could have, he could have even been talking to. So I I get up, I pick my head up and kind of look at him sideways, and he's got this deadpan look on his face. Just, hey, you Michigan fan? So you've got two choices. Oh, I took option B. Oh, good. I looked at, I took like a beat to think about what I was going to say, and I said, nah, I grew up in East Lansing. (laughs) 
My mom immediately jumps in with, no, 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 he's joking, he's joking. Yeah, Atta he's boy. a big Michigan fan. And uh, <laughs> and so I, I, I was like, ah, maybe I was a little harsh on this guy. Okay, so I'll talk to him a little bit. So I just was small talk, whatever. He starts telling me, he's like, oh, yeah, I built some of the buildings at U of M on campus there. And he, I was like, oh, damn, that's cool. Like, there are whatever, da-da-da. Um, he's like, yeah, I built the, the children's hospital. Oh, you dick. Well, 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 <laughs> well. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And he just starts talking and talking and talking about building the children's hospital. And the people around him are starting to talk to him about it. Like, oh, my God, that's so cool. And then in my head, I was so like. This whole conversation had me so fucked up that in my head I started to think, like, did this guy just ask me if I was a Michigan fan just so he could talk about building the children's hospital? Yes, 100%. And so now, as he the asshole for doing this? No, he's a tactician. He knew what he was doing. I don't know if you know, but I'm a great American hero. Dude, thank you. Okay, so I'm not completely in the wrong about that. I thought I was insane. I'm sitting there having this debate with myself. Like, am I a, a real piece of shit? But no, and then, like... Just as awkwardly as he came in and said, are you a Michigan fan? He just kind of awkwardly got up and left after like two minutes of that conversation. On to the next terminal to tell everyone yeah, about yeah, what Yeah, it, it was so fucking weird. And so am I the asshole for being so sarcastic to this guy because he asked the most ridiculous question I've ever heard? Well, you he's just trying to strike up conversation. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Nah, you're good. Everyone sucks here. <laughs> yeah, it, dude. And I said to my mom afterwards, I was like, I, I just couldn't help myself. It was the most ridiculous question ever. Like, am I a Michigan fan? What the fuck? Uh, but yeah, it was wild. Um, okay, so I feel a little bit better about that situation now. Good. I want to get into the soap opera of the summer, the NBA trades. It has been This last week of NBA action has been wild. Chris Paul ended going from the Suns to the Wizards to the Warriors – is one of the funniest things that might happen all NBA season. And I can't wait to see him writhe and suffer on that bench in in uh, Golden State. Can't wait for it. I love the uh, the point guard carousel of uh, washed-up point guards like Westbrook, Chris Paul, and then John Wall, <laughs> and who I think one other guy, but just like going from like team to team, like the and same the, teams. The crazy thing is they're all in California now. That's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that fucking insane? They should just get like have those three guys all on the same team. Oh, dude, just one on one every day. Jersey sales are through the roof. Bring back Beverly. Send Beverly back to the Clippers or something. Clippers always need like somebody like that. <laughs> it, it's just phenomenal. And Marcus Smart getting traded to the Grizzlies, bro. Another one. He he said like I think the morning before or it, no, I think it was the morning before he got traded. He was like, yeah, I can't. I just, I, I really love being in in Boston. I really want to retire uh, Celtic. See ya. Yeah, they did him dirty for sure. So dirty. But then, what does that trade even do? Think about like the the moving pieces in that trade. How how much does Porzingis really add to to that team? I don't claim to be a Porzingis guy. Like I don't know, like, but I would assume defense, right? I mean, he's he's like this big man, three and D kind of guy. Yeah, well, if you does. want, if you want defense, you should have kept Smart. Smart's Thank a defensive you. player of the year. But they also play true. They, they play also different true. positions too. But yeah, well, plus Al Horford's getting like he's got to be fifty by now, man. Yeah. Jesus, he's got his ARRP card. Oh my god. Well, at least Dylan Brooks gets shipped to China. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, that's going to be the hardest Jersey cop of the year. Shanghai Sharks, Dylan Brooks. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. What's that website where you can get all the the illegal jerseys? Uh, How's it called? I'm forgetting it. But anyways, I don't know. Um, yeah, man, the NBA has been nuts. It's the soap opera that just keeps on giving. I fucking love the NBA. It's just too bad. Oh, one more thing about that, though. I saw some pictures, and I don't know if you guys seen this at all. Kate Cunningham. Cade. Cade. Love it. Not looking great. No. <laughs> you seen these? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty rough. Dude. It, Looks he, like Coheed and Cambria. I thought he was a vegan. I was just texting with you the other day that we were going to send Zion to live with him because he was a vegan. Nope. <laughs> Maybe they are living together. Maybe yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. This actually backfired on me if that's the case. Zion convinced him that McDonald's was fun. <laughs> Fuck. I love it. That's the other thing. This Mariah... You sent it to me. Uh, you seen the thing where Mariah Mills has more tweets? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say the, no, tat- no. the face tattoo. Well, that too. Oh, for the people who don't know, this this you got to know. This uh, chick that Zion was hooking up with has been blasting him on Twitter. She went and got a face tattoo the other day with Zion's name on her cheek. And then somebody pulled up a stat that she's had more tweets defaming Zion then Zion has played NBA basketball games. That's in hilarious. Three years. Well, That's it's only ins- taken her three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the stats this chick's putting up, man. Holy hell! I mean, talk about you know psych ward material, dude. Listen, if the if the Pelicans, if he stays on the Pelicans, and the Pelicans make the playoffs this year, and I'm whatever team that they're playing, how do you not put Mariah Mills front court or like right yeah courtside right next to the pelicans bench that'd be devious oh free tickets free food free everything come on us have a good time we'll get you everything you want and like i don't know there's (laughs) it's just all the head games you could play man dude the the guys in the arena who play like the music and do the video clips and stuff are gonna have a field day with that shit given he plays i think he's healthy now but he was, like, borderline healthy enough to play back uh, at the end of the playoffs. He's doing windmill dunks. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Anyways, uh, yeah, I could I could, you could sit here and talk for 20 minutes about the NBA, but all right, um, let's, let's get into it. All right. So, yeah. So, today's artist, uh, today's group, White Stripes, six-time Grammy winner, nominated another five times. Uh, they won three alternative albums of the year, uh, one Grammy for Best Rock Song, one for Best Rock Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal, and one best boxed or special limited edition package, which I had never even heard before. Uh, but nonetheless, six-time Grammy winner, several billion Spotify streams, YouTube views, nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. I don't believe they got in, though. Mm. Uh, White Stripes. Yeah, these guys are pretty sick. Or, well, guys, it's just so it's just Jack and Meg. Uh, Jack and Meg White. Weird kind of story with them, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you want to get that out of the way? Yeah, let's start there. So back in the 90s, Jack is uh, he's hanging out in Detroit. He's playing for a few different bands, just getting his uh, kind of getting some reps in. You know, he's down in Nashville in the mid 90s and he meets Meg. Um, and after a while, they, they fall in love and get married. Um, Jack took on Meg's name, which is weird, but it makes sense because Jack's original name. I forget it now, but Gillies Gillies. Jack Gillies is not a rock star. Jack White is a sick name. Jack White kicks ass on guitar every time. That's a hitter. Um, now, I, I vaguely remember as a little, like, when I first kind of got introduced to the White Stripes, I have a weird memory of them, like, rumors that they were brother and sister. 
They Same. S- they started those rumors. Jack did not think that a boy-girl group that was consisted of a married couple would be taken seriously. So he made up the rumor that she was his sister, and that's why they had the same last name. And they went with it. They publicly never announced that they were married. They were married in 96, divorced in 2000, before they even broke through with white blood cells. Before Distill? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they, they have still never acknowledged it. They put out their greatest hits a little while ago, and the name of the album is My Sister Thanks You and I Thank You. They're still going with it, even though there's public records that show they were married for four years. Yeah, some re- I was reading some reporter in Detroit uh, dug up the the wedding information from uh, in like the early 2000s or whatever, but it, it's kind of funny, but also just like really strange at I, the same I time. I don't understand why you need to lie about that. Yeah, exactly. But regardless of, uh, you know, wh- what they're lying about, the music kicks ass. Yeah, 100%. Jack, and I- I'll say this right off the top, too. Meg gets fairly criticized for not being the greatest musician of all time uh, by people who listen to the White Stripes. Jack, however, is a phenomenal musician on a few different instruments. Um, and we, we talked about it a little bit on the... The episode with Mike, uh, who, who um, John Mayer. John Mayer, thank you. Um, he's definitely in the conversation for like top five greatest guitarists of all time. Sure. So let's let's get into it here. Self-titled album comes out in 1999. Uh, w- we can go song by song if you guys want. I just want to say real quickly about the album as a whole. To me, this kind of misses the mark. Um, it's lots of like two two and a half minute songs doesn't hit all the guitar that comes up in like some of the later albums and the lyrics are for me subpar compared to some of their other stuff yeah i'm not thoroughly impressed with this album either i'll I'll say i had a somewhat visceral reaction the first time around with it um and after a couple more listens it's not as bad as i originally thought but it's definitely not the polished like it's not seven nation army by any stretch Uh, it's very much indie garage rock uh you know punk blues kind of mix it's just not polished, but there's a couple good songs in here that I still like. Yeah, I think you completely hit the nail on the head there. Unpolished, just dirty guitar, banging on the drums, very loud. Every song does sound pretty similar. Yeah. Not a whole, but the sound is amazing. They just need to polish it. Yeah, 100%. You can see the, the bricks. You can kind of see the cornerstones of the house being built here. Absolutely. It's just not there yet. Um, and this album in particular, it stuck out to me on so many songs how simple the drums are yes and on purpose i don't think she started playing drums till like 97 or something no jack uh said that he was only going to play in this band if it was meg drumming for him she did not want to do music professionally he convinced her to do it huh right and so, so everybody that criticizes her she didn't even want to do it but that's <laughs> the, she's the, she's the only reason why the white stripes existed right so i mean i think she does well enough for what the white stripes wanted to do Hundred percent. So, do you guys want to take this one song by song? Um, I think we can skip around. Yeah, I'm good to skip around. There's like 17 tracks here, so yeah, it's it's the longer one in terms of tracks. And as we mentioned, it's fairly homogenous. So maybe let's just uh, pick out a few, a uh, few that stand out here, and then we'll move on. Yeah. So I, I just want to say real quick, uh, "Stop Breaking Down" isn't one of the standout ones to me, but I just want to say this is a cover of a blues song by Robert Johnson, who's one of Jack. Oh White. yeah, you were talking about him. Yeah, one of Jack White's favorite artists. So I just wanted to mention that. That makes sense. The and blues cool. influence comes out pretty strong in a lot of his work. And they actually do quite a few like blues covers throughout their catalog. Mm-hmm. 
And Jack does it even more so now that he's solo. Gotcha. Yeah, I still got to check out some of the solo stuff. Uh, so Jack actually wrote The Big Three Killed My Baby for uh, when he was with another band called The Upholsterers. And uh, that song was written for, I don't remember who it was, but there was a, an old Motown guy that was singing with them, recording with them, and he, s- he wrote that song for that guy to sing. And uh, when he started The White Stripes, they re-recorded it with Jack on vocals. Yo, that's sick. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, that being said, this is the single off this album. I don't even think this is a good song. No, it's it's kind of like a protest against the American auto industry. Like yep. obviously like the big three specifically, Jack White grew up in Detroit or you know, from Detroit. There's ties, yeah. Yeah. So the they said that they wanted something controversial. So he says, The big three killed my baby. <laughs> that's pretty out there. Yep. Third track on your first album, you're a nobody, and that's who you're going with. Yep. That is kinda wild. So my my personal favorites, uh, starting with Canon and those yeah. next Three, I think Canon is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Astro, Broken Bricks, and When I Hear My Name, those are the ones that I keep coming back to on this album. Uh, there's lots of other stuff that sounds fine. It's just not stand out to me. So I, I've got a note on Canon specifically here. So uh, John the Revelator is a reference to a traditional blues song of the name first recorded in 1930 by Blind Willie Johnson. So I, I got all this from, uh, I, you know, I had to research this, but yeah. Uh, so Cannon uses a portion of the acapella version by uh, San House, and according to the Bible, in uh, St. John, in the book of Revelation, it describes the apocalypse, who he is, John the Revel- Revelator, uh, which is okay. a lyric from the song. Gotcha, gotcha. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you on these three songs. I thought Astro was kind of interesting. It's like their first dive into a pop. Um, I, I have it as glam rock, but you could certainly categorize that as just a solid pop song honestly. i don't know about that what do you think alex i think that uh, pop songs usually don't have guitar that's that low but fair enough back then maybe yeah i guess it's just the vocals right the or the lyrics are so poppy yeah there you know so and so does the astro so and so does the astro it's just i don't know it feels like um a little bit like a song you'd hear in that diner in the scene from uh oh fuck breaking uh, bad no no the tarantino movie Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Oh. It, it, it sounds like one of those songs you'd hear in that diner a little bit. It's just kind of got that, like, glammy, like, pop rock feel to it. I don't know. I'm, not, I'm probably not explaining myself well there, but in my head, this makes sense. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, and the, the reason I said Breaking Bad, and I think it's on the first track off the album. Or no, it's from, or yeah, from Susie Lee. Part of it sounds like uh, Better Call Saul. Like, I don't know if you guys yeah, watch that yep. show. but 100%. I've, I've heard it. I, I was listening to it. I was like, oh, is he doing an intro for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. A couple other songs that stood out to me, just not good or bad, just kind of stood out. Screwdriver. I actually do like Screwdriver. A uh, little bit back in the heavy stu- heavier stuff. Uh, good energy here. I like his guitar work. Like, this album isn't, isn't filled with crazy guitar work, like you'll see later on, especially. Um, but this is one of the songs that kind of stood out to me in terms of r- like really nice guitar work. Um, and then what's the other one here? Uh, oh, St. James Infirmary Blues. Again, a little different. It's not they're necessarily their they're like bread and butter. This is almost like a it's ca- got a theatrical kick to it. I think this is their first song with the piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's one thing they do a little bit more often later on. Yep. Um, but they kick it in here and Jack again. We talked about him, or I talked about him being so good on a few different instruments. He's a great piano player as well, and they mix it in awesome. 
Um, so this song too, in throughout their catalog, Jack White has a lot of stuff that like inspires him, or that like old like older stuff mm-hmm. that he kind of takes from and, and uses yeah. to, to write songs. So this one is from an American folk song uh, back in the 18th century. Yeah, back in the 18th century, where is a, a about uh, a soldier who uses money on prostitutes and then dies of a venereal disease. Like that was some of like the inspiration for the song, which is kind of out there. <laughs> it's something. Uh, but I guess like, I don't know, underground garage rock that like there's really no holds barred here. It's a bit like the grunge movement, right? Where there's just anything was good, fair game for, for whatever, really. So, um, you know, just a way to stand out, I guess. But it's, it's a cool song, honestly. It's a little bit different. But if you're looking for something a little bit different from the White Stripes, here it is. It's good. Yeah, and then another one I thought was interesting was One More Cup of Coffee, which is a it's actually a Bob Dylan cover. Yes. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it and this is kind of wild. So it tells a, the story of like a gypsy girl uh in a, a man who must leave her to enter the valley below and mm. s- some critics were saying that it was like a metaphor for Dylan's relationship with his wife that was failing at that time. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I'm not a huge like I've never that's when I'd be interested to do a dig on. I, I know Bob Dylan is, like, regaled, but I've never really listened to too much Bob Dylan. I know a couple yeah, songs, maybe. I'm the same way. Same here. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, other than that, I mean, one song stood out in a bad way. I hate Sugar Never Tasted So Good. It, you don't like that one? No, dude. It's just so, like, how do I put this? I kind of like that. It's about, like, nostalgia and, like, Innocence it's almost. just goofy, man. That's the best way of putting it. It's I mean, not one of my favorites. It's all right. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't. It's all right to me too. I just. Don't, I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, I don't. I don't hate it. Like, yeah. No strong feelings. I. I also don't like the opener. I Jimmy the Exploder is not super exciting. I mean, it's good. They give good energy, but it's very much exactly what we talked about at the top about this whole album just being unpolished and kind of thrashy a little bit. Yep. Yeah, Jimmy the Exploder doesn't do it for me. Honestly, if they had started, just skip Jimmy the Exploder and start with Stop Breaking Down, I think that would have been a better way to start the album. Just just leave Jimmy the Exploder off the off the set. But here we are. So, um, I don't know. I don't have anything else on this album. Nope, I'm all set. All right, well, let's move on to Day Still, 2000, a year later. Uh, quite a bit better from the first album, in my opinion. Disagree. Really? This is my least favorite Stripes album. Okay, so this is my s- second least favorite, I think. But I still like it a lot better than the first. I don't think it's very much better. I think it's, if anything, slightly better. Um, I think there's a lot more that... I think I saved a lot more from this album than the first. It just, it's got the same problems as the first album does. Yes, it does. I, I think the songwriting is a little bit better, though. That's fair, but... Sonically, it's it's unpolished, it's thrashy, it's garage rock still. Well, yeah. So let's go. Uh, let's dive into some of these songs. So before we get there, though, what's interesting? One thing interesting about this album, we already touched on that they had married and divorced pretty quickly. Before this album even comes out, Meg and Jack are divorced, and that was kind of it. They divorced, and Jack was like, "You know what? I'm I'm just gonna go do my own thing. I'm done." Meg brought him back to the table and said, "Listen, even though we're we're not doing this anymore." I still think the White Stripes is, is a big thing, and we should just roll with it. And Jack kind of got over himself and brought it back, and here we are. It's really easy for Meg White to say, 
please, Jack, I'd love to be in that band with you that makes so much money. And you're did, so. Did good. they make that much money in 1999, though? No, I guess not. But I guess I guess my point is like she's not the musician. Of, uh, like I know I know what you're saying he doesn't need her for anything. Like uh, that's a wild thing to be like. Come on, take me back. I know we're divorcing, but take me back. <laughs> and he knows Meg isn't a great musician. It's wild, but anyways, yeah, that's how we get to distill. I think you'll probably get some hate for that on the internet, but yeah. I actually I kind of like that take. <laughs> it's not the worst. I mean, I, I was going to ask Alex to fire off like a 7 out of 10 hot take at the top of the episode, but then I started <laughs> ranting about the NBA, and so here we are. But anyways, uh, yeah, so let's get into the album here. Yeah, so the opener is You're Pretty Good Looking, and then in parentheses, For a Girl, which is a, it's a funny title. Uh, and the song is, it's almost kind of like our sarcastic tone, if you will, like, it kind of plays on like the sexism of, of some men. Yeah. Uh, and Jack White said on this song specifically, he's like, it's just making fun of people who have these attitudes. Yeah. And I think the song title does a little bit of that, like the mom's the doctor type deal. Like you just don't expect the the little add on in there for a girl. Yeah. Um, it's kind of got this like Beach Boysy pop vibe to it, uh, but like old old school pop, 60s, 70 pop feel to it. Just strummy, mid tempo, upbeat fun. Um it's not like it's not what I go for to the white stripes for, but aside from that, it's a fine song. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel too. It's not; it doesn't feel white stripes to me, but it's it's all right. And I think a lot of this album kind of feels like that for me. Yeah, a lot of these slower songs, not very guitar focused, not my cup of tea. Yeah, for sure. The I kind of like the next song too, "Hello Operator." This one, one my, has one of my favorites. Yeah, this one has some real cool guitar on it. Uh, really good solo at the end as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind of hit my nails on the head there, honestly. This is exactly what I go to the White Stripes for. I think this is my favorite album on, or song on the album. Uh, high, high energy from everything here. Drums, guitar, vocals, everything. It's just really up there. But it's not like it, I've mentioned before about garage rock where garage rock can, or punk rock, too. It can get a bit like thrashy uh, or it's just all kind of like that first Nirvana album. No, nothing really fits. It's all just instruments kind of playing and nothing really fits what they one thing they do throughout is they'll take breaks in the musical sections to let jack sing so that he can get like over the music because sometimes in songs like this there are other, there are songs later on where he gets drowned out a little bit but in this song this is one of those examples where they they tune down the music for a second to let him get his words out and then kick right back up into it and so that's the cool thing about this song and some of the songs will do later on as well yeah, so they uh, this song uses like the metaphor of like hello operator, like trying to get through to someone on like the telephone, and, like you're going through it, and then the person on the other line just doesn't care. Mm-hmm. So it's a cool metaphor too. Yeah, good track here. And then I, I do either of you guys have anything on Little Bird or I do not like this song. I really don't like this song. I thought the guitar here was fine. This is the first time I I got like a southern rock kind of feel from him. It's got this like southern blues tone to it but yeah it's it's an all right song i don't know it's not for me this one's an instant skip yeah it's for this forgettable for me yeah uh apple blossom had some success off this album yes love this song this is where i think jack's songwriting really comes through he uh he hits hard on the piano in this one yes very very fun song uh he plays this live and people go crazy for this one yeah this song's kind of sick honestly i agree yeah, so some of the lyrics from here, and then I have a note, is that, hey, little apple blossom, blossom, what seems to be the problem? All the ones you tell your troubles to, they don't really care for you. And uh, people online were saying that 
is like is condescending like it's kind of sexist but i think it's like looking into it i think it's like jack white like taking on like uh like he's like it's like a persona of like the 70s or like how it used to be because it's kind of caricature almost yeah Yeah. and that's kind of how like the music i don't know almost sounds a little bit older too yeah i know what you mean and people were like ripping him for it but i'm like i think he's it's just he's like setting almost like an actor like an actor who plays hitler isn't hitler but right yeah exactly yeah i agree this song's pretty cool one of one of a few like gems on this album yeah uh another gem for me is the next track i'm bound to pack it up you guys like this one not for me indifferent uh this isn't one of my favorites but oh man i love i love this song it's about moving on from a relationship it's a little bit more acoustic softer uh really good lyrics yeah, the lyrics were interesting. I, I'll probably listen to this five or six times just to like hear that back a little bit. Yeah, he goes, I've thought about it for a while, and I've thought about the many miles, but I think it's time that I've gone away. The feelings that you have for me have gone away. It's plain to see, and it looks to me that you're pulling away. Yeah, this is good writing from Jack here. Um, I just, I don't know. It, this is a, another one. It kind of felt like the acoustic feels a little choppy to me, um, and that's one of the knocks they'll get throughout as well as – the nice part about what I already mentioned about them taking breaks uh, for Jack to like sing is that Jack can sing over the, uh, the the music. The downside to that is that a lot of these early songs, especially, sound very choppy. Is what it is. Uh, one more fun fact on this one: when Meg heard this song, she asked if Jack wanted to include it on the album since it sounded a lot like Zeppelin to her. I could see that a hundred percent. There's a couple other songs later on that I like. I, I forget which album it is, but a couple albums. Uh, as we go along here there's a few songs where i was like wow that's the beatles that's zeppelin that's this that you know so yeah it's kind of and good good on her for at least like bringing that up greta van fleet didn't give a fuck and did a whole album like that <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know good on her for bringing it up at least yeah uh the next song is another older blues cover death letter yep so this is a cover of the signature song of delta blues mus- musician son house yeah, I, I like this song. It's a lot of fun. This is probably the last song in the album that I really like. <laughs> I think uh, this one's really cool. They uh, play that guitar pretty uh, pretty cool in this one. They are able to uh, kind of draw it out. Uh, the, uh, and then they go fast on the guitar, but they draw out the vocals. I think that's a really cool contrast. I've only heard the original once, and it was a while ago. Mm. So I don't. I didn't. I sh- I gotta go listen to the original. So the premise for this song is the narrator receives a letter telling him of the death of his lover and that he needs to get himself to the location of the body before the funeral. When he arrives, he finds a body on a cooling board, which is a board with ice under it, which a corpse you know used to be oh, laid on okay, during okay. burial preparation. Uh, and then at the end of the song, it kind of reveals that the narrator himself was the one who killed the woman, which is, yeah. So it's kind of kind of wild. The doctor is the mother. <laughs> But a really cool song, nonetheless. And I think it was a, a, a good cover. Yeah, yeah, no doubt here. This is good work from White Stripes. Yeah. Uh, I don't have much on the next one. Sister, Do You Know My Name? Uh, not, it's not a good song for me, but yeah, not um, a big fan. it's got these like slow, kind of drawn-out licks throughout the song. Um, it's not like not good energy here. Not It's not cohesive. I, don't know, I just didn't like it. Yeah. I do like track number eight, Truth Doesn't Make a Noise. Uh, I ended up saving this one. I think it's about like sticking up for someone, possibly Meg. Um, some of the lyrics, you try and tell her what to do, and all she does is stare at you. 
Her stare is louder than your voice because truth doesn't make a noise. Yes, this one's... It's all right for me. This one's got, like, cowboy vibes to it. Kind of westerns. Like, you hear this in a western. A little bit of piano here. Thought the energy was pretty good. It's just an all right song for me. I don't know. Uh, I also like A Boy's Best Friend quite a bit. Oh, I hate this song. Really? This this is contender for worst song in the catalog. Oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with Jill. It's not the worst, but I, I don't think it's very good. There's a lot of slide guitar in this one, though, which is... <sighs> it's just so, like... It's too goofy for me, man. Oh, I, I really like the line at the end, too. He's like, my dogs come sit next to me, a pack of dogs and cigarettes. My only friends speak no words to me, but they look look at me, and they don't forget that a boy's best friend is his mother or whatever has become his pet. I guess my problem with this song and, like, uh, my problem with a lot of songs like this is when the White Stripes don't do high energy, I just... It, doesn't go well most of the time at least i don't think so i think their their fastball is high energy like hard rock i'm not i can't argue that i like yeah. some of the slower stuff too though he he has a song later on in his solo catalog that's called why walk a dog that's somewhat similar message and he's just saying he, he doesn't understand why people have pets and why people are so drawn up in their own lives and it's so <laughs> bizarre and like creative but it's just he's an oddball let's just really get that out of the way oh is. for sure but all creatives like that are i mean he's a musical genius but i mean he's an oddball so he grew up in a family of seven i believe seven siblings he's the youngest so <laughs> he uh he basically got fed music his whole life gotcha and uh yeah, you can see all the inspirations, the Zeppelins and the Beatles and all the old uh, Motown stuff that he yeah. grew up in Detroit on. While we're on a tangent here, let me say two things. Um, first, we haven't talked about album covers at all, but five of the six album covers for White Stripes are, the the motif is fairly homogenous. It's Megan Jack standing on the screen. And okay, check. <laughs> He's got one of them right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're always some combination of red, white, and black. No other colors. Um, with various different poses and situations they find themselves in. Um, and then the exception being uh, Icky Thump. But Icky Thump's just white and black, too, so it's not that far off the beaten path. You don't often see bands, like, track their album covers like that, that they have some kind of, like, relationship to each other. It happens, just not very often. Kind of an interesting little note there. Yeah, this this album cover, uh, The Steel, it's based off a uh, art style. I think it's Dutch, and it's all like blocks. The whole art style is just blocks. So if you look at the background, oh the yeah, cover, they're standing in front of an actual steel painting. That's that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, way better than the first album cover, honestly. Uh, the first one's them standing in like a one of those old photo strips you might get from a booth, you know. It looks like it's, like, printed on film, but they're kind of standing in it. I don't know. Whatever. It's fine. Um, But then the second thing is just, like, you see Jack White now. If he, you know, he's in Detroit all the time. Not Maybe not all the time, but, like, you'll see him around occasionally. He does Tigers games and things like that. He's always got his hair colored some different way, man. Every color under the sun I've probably seen him do. Blue, green, pink, whatever. Does that bother you? It doesn't bother me, man. It's just (laughs) oddball behavior. That's what it is. I don't know. I was just just joking. Yeah, no, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> he's just a weirdo, man. He's a good weirdo. He's my weirdo. Uh, all right. So Anyways, back to go, what we're going doing. back to they uh, still hill. I don't have much on the last four songs on this. Uh, do you guys have anything on any of these? No. 
your southern can is mine is kind of funny. Okay, so that this is another cover. This is first done by Blind Willie McTell in 1927. Okay, I had no idea. Yeah, so uh, around this time too, you know, there's still like segregation, and uh, a common form of like coding songs back then when you wanted to talk about like white people ah. essentially was changing it to woman when you're really trying to think about white people. Gotcha. So that's he does it a lot in this song. Um, and it's, you know, it's about segregation. Oh, didn't realize that. Alrighty then. Not as funny as I thought. Ha ha. <laughs> 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 um, but another note I had here, this is the first song I noticed at least that Meg like, uh, put in a little bit on vocals. I think it's just background vocals, but she's on vocals or maybe like she might be in the, the chorus with Jack or something like matched up, you know, but. Um, and she does a few songs later on in the catalog that we'll surely talk about, but this is the first time I noticed it. Yeah. All right, so let's move on then. Album number three, White Blood Cells, 2001. This album kicks ass. Absolute breakthrough album for them. Oh, 100%. This is... It's not their coup de gras, but goddamn, this is a good album. Well, and the album opens with Dead Leaves and the Dirty Ground, a song where you hear the first couple notes, and you're like, oh boy, let's go. It doesn't take much either. There's, That's the crazy thing about this song and Seven Nation Army, and I guess I'll save Seven Nation Army for later, but it doesn't take much to set such like an impressive tone with this song. Just a few like clean, like thumpy notes right out the top. Um, and yeah, the, the guitar, it's simple, but kind of masterful on this song. The vocals are wildly improved, whether that's from a production standpoint or from Jack to putting in some work. The vocals are wildly improved right off the top here. Um, it's kind of like a slower song, but it's still really, really, really good stuff here. Yeah, and I think it's absolutely the right call. They finally have found their niche here. They have combined their sounds from the first and second album, and they have made this masterpiece. And uh, I think that it's a great choice to rely on the music to be your chorus, basically, in a lot of these songs. And uh, they... He doesn't have a like a refrain or anything that he keeps going back to. He just writes the songs lyrically how he wants them to be, and then he just like, goes back to the music. And mm -hmm. I think that's a great choice. Yeah, yeah, you brought up a great point that I wanted to mention at some point. Like they have a lot of songs where they don't have like a traditional like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge. You know, like there's lots of songs where there's just no chorus. Yep. And I think that's part of that garage slash like punk influence he has because punk punk music is very. Um, I don't want to say disorganized, but not organized in kind of a classical fashion. Um, and so that's part of the why I think you see some more of that. Um, and that goes away more and more as we get through the rest of the catalog here. But Yeah. And for this song, I like the line where he's like, well, any man with a microphone can tell you what he loves the most. <laughs> it's a sick line. Yeah. Yeah. So song number two. Uh, let's see if I'm saying this right. Hotel Yorba. Correct. Okay. About a real place in Detroit. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Right off the freeway. There's a big sign that says the Hotel Yorba. It's uh, on Lafayette Boulevard. Why do I get the feeling this place is not like somewhere you want to stay the night? <laughs> I think it's massively improved since the song was written, too. <laughs> so uh, you're correct, Joe. This hotel back in the day used to be used, uh, quote unquote, for junkies and or prostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, fun fact about this song. So the music video, they went to to film it in the hotel and didn't get any kind of permission or anything. So they actually got banned for life from the <laughs> hotel. <laughs> That's 
That's great. That's could awesome. You, could you imagine like you're running a hotel and you just see like Jack and May coming in with like all their instruments and <laughs> amplifiers and shit. <laughs> a whole production crew. Do you guys have a room here? No, fuck you. <laughs> We're going to need the ballroom though. <laughs> yeah. So cool cool song. Yeah, really like this song. Jack uh played this last on the first song of his last tour last year in Detroit. Played this and uh his girlfriend at the time was the o- was uh the lead singer of the opening band brought her on stage for this song right at the uh line where he says let's get married. He proposed and they got married that night oh. on stage. They had uh they had a officiant there. They literally got married during the concert. That's some crazy shit right there. Weirdo. <laughs> uh, yeah, wow. that's wild. But that's actually pretty sick. And especially to do that in Detroit, what a show, man. Yep. Yeah. They're, b- they're both from Detroit. That's that girlfriend, so cool. Olivia Jean. Yeah, Hell now yeah. Wife. That's Love awesome. It. So the next song is I'm Finding It Harder to Be a Gentleman. Uh, another another good, solid so- solid track. Yeah, I, I noticed this one felt much, much more polished than previous stuff, too. Um, a little bit more of the piano in there, which is good piano work here. Kind of a slower song, but it's still fine. Yeah, I think this is just bread and butter. I think this is exactly what the White Stripes are known for. I think it's middle of the pack. I don't think it's anything super special, but I, I like it. For sure. So the next song was one of the hits off this album, at least in terms of you know streams. Uh, Fell in love with a girl. This is a, a shot of lightning to the veins every <laughs> time I hear it. Phenomenal it, song. It, it's a short. It's like two minutes, maybe two and some change. Yeah. Um, but it is just fast and great great vocals to match up with this um they they raise his levels well enough because like he's playing the whole time there's no stopping on this song and he just matches up so well with it i don't know quite how to like really describe that better um but it's just such a perfect little union of 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 energy and like crash i don't know it's it's awesome i love this song yeah Totally agree there. Really cool music video too. They do it all in uh in like blocks, like almost looking like Lego. Probably not Lego because of trademark. Ah, yeah, Lego. They they, they <laughs> filled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all stop motion. Yeah. So uh, obviously this song is about you know a guy who's in love with a girl and it's just kind of like toying with him and the lyrics you know can't think of anything to do. Yeah, my left brain knows that her love is fleeting. She's just looking for something new. Well, I said it once before, but it bears repeating now. But the way he he says like, I said it once before, yeah, but it bears repeating bo- yeah. now, 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 and then it like kicks in. It's also that like that sexy just ah, 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 ah. that it's a perfect add on there. Oh, it's cool, cool hit for for only being two minutes. Yeah, they yes. got a few songs like that, um, but this one stands out. It's awesome. Yeah, so. The next two, kind of limited, lyrically, short, nothing special. Not really a fan of either of them, yeah. That's yeah. I, I like expecting Little Room is just kind of a, a filler. Yeah. You know what I noticed, and I think I noticed it when I got here? I think every album has a song that starts with little something. Really? Let me, let me take a look here real quick. Um, at least two or three. Oh, no, I think he's got like five. I don't see anything on The White Stripes. No, oh, no, little, The little. White Stripes has Little People. Little Bird. Um, little bird on day still, and then little room, little room, then little acorns. Uh, they also get stranger and stranger as we go through the albums. Uh, blue or get behind me, Satan has little ghost, oh, and then Icky Thump has little cream soda. That has to be intentional. Absolutely, 
It's a strange little thing. Yeah, it has to be intentional. Hmm. So, yeah, I guess maybe we can explore it once we get to the other ones too. Like, just odd. I, I maybe I should read up on that a little bit because I just kind of noticed it today. I was like, huh, that's an awkward coincidence. But here we are. Yeah, I wonder if all the songs have like a similar theme. Hmm. Anyways, uh, yeah, neither expecting in the little room. Neither of them really do it for me, honestly. Yeah, so Union, the Union Forever, track number seven, good, solid. Kind of like a, this haunting feel to it, uh, just the energy with the guitar and whatnot. It's almost got like a Nirvana vibe to it, uh, I kind of thought, just with him being his so, like so down in his low range. Um, I thought it was all right. <coughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the song, actually. Um, I think hit the nail on the head there with the uh, haunting uh, just really deep, angry, angsty. Yeah. Um, and then it uh, goes into the spoken part with just the drum beat. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he brings back the guitar for the same sound as the beginning. Big fan of it. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, fun fact here. This song is a tribute to Orson Welles' classic film, Citizen Kane. And almost every line from the song is taken from the film. Really? Didn't know that. Including the... Uh, you know, he mentions like Charles Foster Kane, CFK, like that line. Um, it's actually sung in the film too. But oh, yeah, damn, just, that's crazy. It's a cool little fun fact there. You know that movie is like considered by film critics as maybe the best movie of all time. I've never seen it. Never seen it either. Me neither. I don't. I don't know how that stands up in today's game. I mean, put that up against Avengers Endgame. Who's made more money at the box office? Oh boy, Jesus we're gonna get Christ. crucified for this episode. I'm just we? saying, Avengers guys, is trash. I'm just saying, you put it up in the. You, you look at the box office. I don't make the numbers. I, my hot. One of my hot takes is all those superhero movies are trash. You're trash. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, uh all right. anyway, the next song, The Same Boy You've Always Known. I love this song. Love it, this song as well. Yeah. This one is lighter, but it's it's very very personal. It, it, at least it sounds to me and uh Jack White said in interviews before if he had to choose a song to play at his funeral, he picked this one. Hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry. It's kind of got this weird progression where um but I actually like it. They they start in an acoustic uh setting. And then he switches over to electric some point about halfway through the song, which is kind of cool. Uh, it's got this good upbeat vibe to it. Um, certainly not my favorite song. I don't think I like it as much as you guys, but it's fine. It's middle of the pack for me. But Gotcha. Another hit off the album, another soft hit. We're going to be friends. Beatles. This is a Beatles song. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not a Beatles song, but that's exactly what it sounds like. It's very much like Beatles poppy yeah, simple, simple guitar here. Yeah. Um, not a whole lot going on, but very, very easy to listen to. I think it's a very solid song. He wrote a children's book with this uh, this song's lyrics. Oh, really? He, yeah. I don't know if he illustrated it. I think he hired somebody to. But they, uh, the whole book is red, white, and black. The whole book. <laughs> Weirdo. <laughs> oh, that's they what you were mouthing to me? Weirdo. <laughs> Yeah, right. they they sell it at his uh at his record, at the record store. store. Yep. Either of you guys been down there? Absolutely. No, yeah, I, I didn't know he had a record store. It's called Third Man Records. He's got one in Detroit, one in Nashville, one in London. That's awesome. And he has his own uh, record press. He presses vinyls in there. Yeah, can't you like custom press things? Like you can just like bring in audio recordings and they'll press it for you. I'm not sure. 
I'm pretty sure that's something you could do at that place. Um, it's a super I, cool place. I, I haven't been. I really want to go. Yeah, I just it is definitely worth the visit. It is very cool. They've got some old white stripes memorabilia and stuff in there. Some like Hell outfits fire. he's worn. They have a stage in there where if he's in town and he, he just, just wants play. to play, that's he's, that's sweet. He's done it. Fire. There's, he's been, there's been like a few people in the shop. Jack White just gets up on the stage and starts playing. Hey, hey guys. guys, could you imagine? How's it going, everybody? Yep. That's fire. <laughs> I, I think I would almost enjoy it better if he just kind of like sat up there by himself, plucking away for like with no intention, really. And then the cashier's like, "Sir, you can't do that, <laughs> sir. <laughs> sir, the the guitars are display pieces only." So uh, going back to we're going to be friends. This song is cool. It's kind of about like just the you know innocent like friendships that you make at school, like when you're younger. It's got a very like nostalgic kind of yeah. feel to it. And yeah. uh, fun fact, they actually play this at the beginning of Napoleon Dynamite. Yep. Oh, I don't remember that. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. Holy <laughs> hell. Uh, that's pretty cool, though. Yeah. So Yeah, very cool. Uh, next one, Offend in Every Way. Good, solid rock here. Yeah, I think this one, I, I think, similar to uh, Finding It Harder to Be a Gentleman in that it's it's solid, nothing, nothing amazing, but very good. Yeah, I would agree with that. I like the little uh, back and forth between the hard chords and the licks here. Um, he's got this one lick in particular. He kind of plays over and over between the chords. It's kind of nice. Um, but yeah, this is a fine song too. Just whatever. So the next song is sounds like it should be like on like theater, like Broadway. Uh huh. It uh-huh. is. I think I smell a rat. This might be the first example of the music fitting so well to the story. <laughs> like it's almost like it's got score to it. It's almost like you know how score is like perfectly matched up with whatever's going on in a movie. That's exactly what he did here with this song. If you didn't have any words to this and you just heard the music on this song, you would think it was like some kind of suspicious thing going on. Um, And it just matches the words perfectly. It's a cool track. Yeah. Love this one. Jack loves this one. Jack still plays it to this day. 20-something years later, he loves this song. He's talked about how much he likes songwriting on this one. See, it's funny. I'm not a big fan of this one. I just thought it was funny. Like, just... You're at like a theater show and someone just finds out someone else like broke their trust and you just start singing. I think I smell all right. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh. Uh, next track is just an instrumental. Yeah. Uh, and then it gets into I Can't Wait, which I love the melody on this. Me too. Big yeah. Fan of this one. A, a good like. What's kind of crazy about this song, it goes from so low to so high and then back down to so low in terms of energy like this. Like, the, there's no, like, build-up to the chorus. The chorus just hits like a brick and then drops off a cliff on the other side of it, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. We, we talked a little bit about that with Foo Fighters, how they kind of, like, build up to it well and then crash you and then build up. This is not that. This is very much like a square wave, but it's cool. Yeah, I think this is another one. He leans heavy on the instrumental, and uh, I, yeah. think it, I think he definitely hits the mark on this one. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and I think, to your point, Joe, kind of why he does that. So the song's about a girl who, who's, like, you know, left her man for someone else. Mm-hmm. And he anticipates one day she'll return to him uh, so that he can reject her and, like, have his revenge. So I think that's <laughs> one. Like, I think yeah. he's, like, going back and forth with himself. Like, oh, you know, I love her. But at the same time, like, you know, I got to get my revenge on her. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's kind of why they do that. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and then, yeah, one of the lines I like. So many times I've gotten used to this. This I- old idea of being all alone. Tell me how I'm supposed to get through with this. I wish this house felt like a home. Really cool. Yeah, good stuff here. Now marry after that? Real short. Yeah. Still decent for being short. Yeah, I think these, these next two are kind of uh, iffy for me. I think they're uh, they're shorter. Missed the mark a little, but I think they're all right. 
Yeah, yeah I'm with you on that. Yeah, I got a bit of like water and vinegar vibe on now marriage. It's just the vocals don't match up with the music very well at all. At yep. least in my opinion. I definitely agree. It's heavy chords mixed with Jack kind of singing sweetly into the mic. It's an odd combo. But anyways. Um, yeah, so this album closes out with This Protector, which is another short song, but it has some good piano on this and kind of a unique song. Yeah, and Meg's back on the vocals here a little bit. Um, I don't know. This is all right for me. It's not. It's probably the bottom half for me, but. I, I agree. I don't think it's great. But uh, I think it's uh, I think it's Jack's songwriting coming through again, though. And I think it's it's simple, but it still packs a punch. Yeah. Um, when I saw Jack in Flint last year, he pulled this one out of his hat. <laughs> Just got on <laughs> oh the really? piano and started playing the last track on a twenty-something-year-old <laughs> album, and everybody's like, yeah. "What is this?" I go, "I think this is White Blood Cells." I couldn't even <laughs> remember the name of the song. <laughs> That's funny. So. Th- this song, I some people were saying it's about a dam that burst in West Virginia in 1972 that killed like 300 some odd people. Oh yeah, they talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is it, if it is, I mean, it, it's kind of cool that he made that into a yeah. song. Yeah. A little oddball reference. Yeah, he can write a song about anything. He really yeah. can. Yeah. Yeah. Creative. Um. Yeah. That wraps up the album. Again, this is this is so much better than the first two albums. It's not even funny. Yes. Yeah, so the next album comes out in 2003, Elephant. And this album opens with their most famous song, Seven Nation Army. Uh, There's so much I could say about this song. And surely part of what I'm about to say is laced with with elements of, like, nostalgia and emotion. Because this song, for anybody who's a fan of American sports, this song is so entrenched with like high impact moments in whatever games you're watching that it, it, it becomes a part of the game. It becomes a part of your team, becomes a part of your fandom. Um, and it's just that simple, just thumping on the, on the kick drum. It, it, there's nothing crazy to this song. The guitar doesn't go crazy. The drums don't go crazy. Oh, I'd say it's one of the most iconic riffs. It's yes. absolutely one of the most iconic riffs. No doubt. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's not, it's a, it's simple. But it's so masterfully put together. And I think that's the case with a lot of White Stripes. It's so simple, but it sounds so good. And Jack, what, it, what is actually wild on the song is Jack's vocals. Jack on the, on the mic here is phenomenal. Some of his best work on the mic. Such good energy. The dr- that simple drum beat always gets the people going. This song fucking rocks. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, even... Oh, yeah, even... Uh, it even ascends American sports. It's just all sports. People cannot know a lick of English, and they know <laughs> that beat. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh. So true. So true. So I got a couple of fun facts on this one. The title for the song, Seven Nation Army, uh, was inspired by White's misunderstanding of the name The Salvation Army when he was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on the riff for the song, he stumbled upon it while warming up with his hollow body guitar. He said, I played the riff again, and it sounded interesting. He said he plugged it in an octave pedal and wound his sixth string down to a low twang. And then uh, on, the, on the riff, he said, I thought if I ever got asked to write the next James Bond theme, that would be the riff for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he held on to this song for a while, hoping that he'd be able to write a Bond theme. <laughs> Which More is on that later. Pretty cool. <laughs> That's and then, wild. So he devised, uh, like for the, the, the song itself and what it's about, he devised a storyline in which a protagonist discovers that his friends are like talking about him behind his back. Uh, he feels so bad that he has to leave town, but then he got s- so lonely that he had to come back, which is kind of how the song ends. 
Yeah. But it's it's funny. Jack White said about the song, it's about gossip. It's about himself. It's about Meg and mm-hmm. like the people that they were dating, which is kind of crazy for how heavy it is. Yeah. Strange dynamic that, you know, divorced, both of you dating other people. You're in a rock band. You're on tour, you know, 100 some days a year. It's an odd dynamic. And surely those after parties ha- were an even odder dynamic. Yeah, I don't know if I'll leave that in, but well, uh, <laughs> yeah, never mind. Just go ahead. Let's go. Let's go. Oh yeah, do you guys over. anything else on Seven Nation Army? That was oh, it. It's it's awesome. Classic. Next song, another great rock song, Agreed. Black Math. Yeah, this is an interesting one because I, I talked earlier about how I I don't love garage rock, but this garage rock somehow it it, it just kind of like it's not as thrashy to me. It fits really well. Good energy. Really really cool solo at the end. Um, this is one of the tracks I did feel his vocals got drowned out a little bit by the music, but aside from that, this is an awesome song. Yeah, absolutely love this song. Love the high energy, high love that uh, guitar going up and down. Um, when he plays this live, he plays it even faster than it appears on the track. Yeah. Oh, really? one point five times speed. You think it's fast? Then I mean, it just blows you away. So I think that's probably contributed to why I like this song so much because it just melts your face off. You can't even keep up. Yeah. But feels like a whole experience <laughs> that's awesome so about the song he said jack white said he was thinking about a time in high school when he turned in his books to the math teacher and said i refuse to learn from you anymore so the <laughs> song the song itself is about just like asking questions yeah uh and black math is that's a cool name for a song well, yes. it's kind of got a couple double entendres it's, it's it's off of like not double entendres but like illusions maybe uh black magic uh would be one thing maybe like black math things you shouldn't do um and I'm forgetting the other one right now. But anyways, um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting, like, play on words there. Or Black Math, that was the other one. Like, it doesn't really have anything to do with song, but it sounds a lot like Black Math, which is something that you might hear a little bit more often, often than Black Math. I don't know. It's an interesting yeah. little play on words. So Jack actually went to, uh, to Cast Tech High School in Detroit. And uh, a few years ago, he returned there and played this song for his <laughs> in his old high school uh, gymnasium. <laughs> And that was that was really cool. That's a power move. It was so cool. Yeah, that's cool. And yeah, so going back to the lyric to the song, well, listen, master, can you answer a question? Is it the fingers or the brain that you're teaching the lesson? Oh, I can't tell you how proud I am. I'm writing down things that I don't understand. So. Yeah, this is cool. Good song. Yeah. Next song, There's No Home For You Here. You go ahead. We were talking a little bit about this, but I, I told you I didn't want to do the podcast outside of the podcast. So why don't yeah. you just go ahead? <laughs> Well, I don't want to take your stuff because we talked about how much this sounds like Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground. So this this song starts off in a in a unique way. It's a unique song to itself in its start. About 45 seconds in, they just start playing the tune to Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground. Um, and then throughout, they kind of like they twist it a little bit here and there. They'll add in like unique bits uh, kind of as the song progresses. But. It's just played over the dead leaves and the dirty ground bit, and I don't know if this is lazy or intentional. I th- I like it because I like dead leaves and the dirty ground, um, but the chanting of "There's no home for you here," I oh. I don't like it as much, obviously, as dead leaves. But I still think it's a solid track. Yeah, I I, th- I think it's a good track. I didn't really pick up on the similarities to dead leaves and the dirty ground. I'll have to listen yeah. to that. Yeah, listen. yeah, dude, it's it's stark. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this. so this song is about, it's like a send-off to an ex, you know, and uh, his voice, like, turns soft at the end of the song. Mm-hmm. So he's, like, 
I don't know. He's like kind of going back and forth, like internally, like you know, am I happy yeah. about this? Am I not happy right, about it? Right. Uh, so I th- I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just a it's a decent song. Yeah. I don't know. I I just can't get over like, if this is not, if this is a tie into Dead Leaves, it's really cool. If it's lazy, what the fuck. <laughs> but I I would have to imagine this isn't lazy. I'm no. hope I I'll just have a little faith. So. Yeah, so the next song also about getting over a relationship. I just don't know what to do with myself. This one not as good in my opinion. Uh, this is actually a cover of a a Burt Bacharach. Um, oh, probably Bacharach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Not a big fan of this one. Kind of slower. Yeah. Uh, doesn't really feel stripes to me. But same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With you. One of the few misses on this album. I, I do. They got this like cool strummy guitar lick throughout that I kind of like. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't doesn't do it for me. So. Yeah. So the next song is the first one where it's Meg exclusively on vocals in the cold, cold night. This song. Okay, uh, mm. so I, I do like Meg's vocals. I don't love it. She's not great on the mic. Um, it's just two notes. He just keeps playing two notes uh, in different levels. And then there's a solid like bass line, like soft. You, you almost can't hear it. But there is a bass line underneath it um, that kind of keeps the song up a little bit. I don't know. It's not for me, but it's kind of interesting, like, having Meg on the, the lead vocal. Yeah, I think it's a decent change of pace. Um, don't don't love it. Don't hate it. If it turns out, I might, I might listen. Yeah, I was going to say, I like it for something different. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a change up. I, I do appreciate that. Um, kind of similar to alex said like am i gonna go like search for that in spotify no but if it comes up while i listen to it yeah yeah for sure uh and the song itself i don't uh, maybe it's about uh loving someone other people don't approve of or or maybe death was kind of the two notes i had i'm i'm not really sure uh yeah i could i i didn't really pick something out here either um i listened to it a couple times though that's all so okay the next track i want to be the boy to warm your mother's heart this is kind of an interesting thing. Like yeah. just just the message about this song. It's not one of my favorite songs, but the message of this song is pretty interesting. It's like wanting someone to like you. Yes. I and it, this is a lighter one. I I still kind of like it though. Yeah, I I like this song too. I think this is a hit. Much like what you guys just discussed. I would not go back to listen to this song again. Yeah, I'm probably the same way. There's better songs on this album. Yeah. Yeah, true. The next song, You've Got Her in Your Pocket. Another soft good more like acoustic song in my opinion yeah i kind of do like this song there's something just simple and sweet about it um like you said it's not crazy at all but just easy going here yeah reminds me a little bit of uh the end of white blood cells i like this one yeah yeah i know what you mean yeah and uh yeah you've got her in your pocket and there is no way out now put it in the safe and lock it because it's home sweet home yeah it's uh an important part of the song too like some of the lyrics sound like he's almost like tricking the person a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like he, he even says in the song, like to trick a woman, make her feel like she did it her way. Um, so I don't know if it's like obsessive love or maybe, I don't know, but it's kind of different. Yep. Cool song. The next song here is Ball and Biscuit, which is like a seven-minute, like, bluesy, almost like Zeppelin-sounding type of song. Uh, but it is good. The absolute – I think this is Jack White at his absolute best on guitar. 
I don't think he has ever put out a song that is this good with guitar. I love this song. The confidence, the energy that he exerts in this song, I just can't get enough of it. I can listen to this song back to back to back to back and just never get sick of it. This is one of my favorite tracks. Yeah, I wouldn't go as far to call it uh, Zeppelin-y, but I, I get the feel. But that's maybe that part of that is that Zeppelin's so rooted in blues as well that it gets, you know, a friend of a friend type feel. Um, but yeah, this is a really good track, and I love the the changing in the levels here again, where he goes kind of softer, or like not soft, but like softer, and then really kicks it in for a little bit. Then go back, and it's just a really good track here. Yeah, and lyrically. There's like some sexual innuendos in this song, but yep. there's there's also some like drug slang. Like a ball is slang for like an eight ball of coke, and then a biscuit. And I had, I found this online, but a biscuit's a uh, slang for a pressed cake of crack and sometimes or sometimes ecstasy. So, and, and in the song too, he goes, "Tell everybody in the in the place to just get out. We'll get clean together." Damn. So. Yeah, that's hard. Oh, and then the line, too, where he's like, yeah, it's quite possible that I'm your third man, but it's a fact that I'm the seventh son. Yep. I don't know what that means, but it sounds very powerful. So he is the youngest of seven. Oh. Yep. Okay. Uh, and then he's always had this third man motif. Um, even when he was an upholsterer before he started music, his upholstery business in Detroit was called Third Man Upholstery. Uh, his current record place is called Third, third man, Records. man Records. And I'm not exactly sure where it all came from. Well, isn't isn't like the seventh son is doesn't have to have some bivic, biblical yeah. significance? Um, yep. Abraham was the seventh son or something. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm sure I learned about this once upon a time, but it's been a while. Um, but yeah, that's just, I guess kind of probably where it came from. Part of it. Um, all right. Anything else there? Nope. Nope. Next. The hardest button to button. Dope track. Love this one. Yeah, I didn't love this one. But what? Go ahead. I don't How do you know, not just, like this one? Just didn't do it for me. I don't know how to tell you. It's a song about a child trying to find his place in like a dysfunctional family, which is probably personal to him. And if yeah. you know, if he's yeah, a no doubt. I'm not saying the, the lyrics are bad here. Um, it just the music kind of felt. <sighs> it's not simple. It's not homogenous. Just like very generic, maybe. Like it, it didn't really stand out. I guess. But that's that's what I got here. Hmm. I love this one. I I think this one is very fun, very upbeat. Uh, when that guitar riff hits after it says "artist button the button" with when he it hits with the uh, lyrics, uh, and then it goes into the guitar solos. So good. Yeah. They, yeah. Uh, White stripes were featured on the Simpsons, and <laughs> <in> this song <laughs> this song was played in the. They were chasing after the Simpsons, and they could only move <laughs> when the guitar. Dun, 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 they were just <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so the next song, this is uh, going back to what you said, Joe, about them having one song that starts off with little on each album, Little Acorns. So the first like minute or so of the song is like this like sit sitcom style like TV narrator, yeah, telling like a story of uh of a girl who when she got divorced and then. She, you know, she saw a, s a squirrel stacking little acorns, and she used that as motivation to like piece her life together. It's a very unique song from the Stripes. Yes, very different. But it it crashes like there is not a second of break between 
the end of the narrator like doing his bit into the hard garage rock, like cr- it. There's no break. Like it, the second he stops talking, they just burst into it. It's kind of interesting. Um, I kind of like this song too, uh, but he, there, again, no vocals really from Jack here. Um, he adds a little bit at the end, but like no words necessarily. Interesting track. You got anything on this one? No, it's it's. I think the guitar work is all right. Uh, the narration at the beginning kind of kills the song for me. I don't yeah. find myself going back to this one. Yeah, it's kind. It always sucks when a song has like a narration for like the first like minute of it or like minute and a half, and you're like, you know, if it's it's 15 seconds, like whatever, like I'll just listen to it. But when it's like a minute and a half, you're like, oh, am I really gonna listen to this? Yeah, it yeah. kills the vibe. Hundred percent. So the next song is is pretty short. Hypnotize. I don't have anything on this. I love this song. I I love the fast pace. I think this is uh, this fits right in with Black Math. Same kind of thing. I'm a big fan of this song. Yeah, I kind of have the same feeling here. High energy, good vocals, just a solid, solid rock song for the White Stripes here. Okay. Next one, the air near my fingers. Solid song. Yeah. I don't. Ha- I don't really have much yeah. on this. Mid tempo. It's got some keyboard on at, at the end of it. Uh, actually, the keyboard at the end of it is kind of cool. They do like a keyboard solo almost. It's it's interesting. Um, bit chunky here, um, but they're doing that thing where Jack gets to sing in the middle. I don't know. I like the I like the keyboard at the end, but the rest of it I can give or take. Yep, I'm I'm kind of the same way. I don't have any strong feelings towards this one. Yeah, so this was one that he wrote the day of like recording, and I was reading that the str- like the White Stripes they did a lot of songs where like he would just write the song like like as a recording, or, like the day of recording, which is crazy to me that it seems like it'd be harder to do. But I mean, he's just a, you know musical genius, I guess. Yes, I've heard that Jack just gets a gets an inspiration, writes the song, and wants to record it as quick as possible to make sure that he captures whatever energy he was feeling when he wrote that song. So. I that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I know that yeah. even he's been on tours and he's thought of songs and he's had to go in the morning of the show or something, record the song, then come back and then rehearse. Yeah, I've got a note on that for one of the, uh, I think it's in the next album. But yeah, super cool. Uh, the next one is one of my least favorite, I think. Girl, You Have No Faith in Medicine. Like the music is good, but the lyrics are so stupid. Strange. Yeah, it's really strange here. Yeah. But I like the music, like you said. Um Fast, hard power chords, kind of bluesy licks throughout. Um, the drumming. The drumming is so much better on this song than it's been. It just it stood out to me for some reason. It's not bad. It's good here. Um, good track, musically. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Uh, I think compared to some of the other songs on the album, it's it's washed out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not one I, I usually go back to, that yeah. one and the next one. But He just keeps going, girl, you have no faith in medicine, and then he goes, acetaminophen. <laughs> it's like, this is so <laughs> stupid, but I actually lied. I think the next song is even more offensive. Well, it's true that we love one another. I don't, I don't like this oh one yeah, at all. Oh, yeah, this this one it gave me icky vibes. Um, I, I don't listen to this one very often. <laughs> so th- there's a bit, and I'll pull up the lyrics, but there's a bit through this song where they're saying, yeah, we all love each other. Yeah, Jack, I love you like a brother. And it's just... Yeah, it's like, I love Jack White like a little brother, something like that. Oh, it's just... It, it's Oh, the fact gross. that they put this as the closer for the album, which is a, a fantastic album, is just like, ugh, such a waste. Yeah, it starts off. The song starts off. Well, it's true that we love one another. And this is Meg. I love Jack White like a little brother. And then Jack goes, well, Holly, I love you too. Which I assume he's speaking to a girlfriend or something, but 
I don't know who this Holly character is. Um, but there's so much I just don't know about you. Back to Meg. Or they, they just do this back and forth thing the whole song. But it's I, I hate that little repeated line throughout. It's e- easily a top rough. top three of my least favorite Stripe songs. I'm with you. Uh, but nonetheless, great, great album. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. Yeah. And you guys got anything else? No, this is this is the White Stripes at their peak. For sure. So the next song, or excuse me, the next album comes out in 2005, Get Behind Me, Satan, which Jack White uh, told Guitar World in an interview about, like, the title of the album. It's, like, consciously ambiguous. Like, it can either mean, like, get out of the way, Satan, or get behind me, Satan, and, you know, help yeah, me out. Yeah, and support. That's interesting. Yeah. So this album opens with a banger, Blue Orchid. I love the muted guitar here. This is the I think the first time he's done this where he's made the guitar like really fuzzy. Um but it it's so cool. Um it, like and it, it's all it's way down in this low range. It's got a good like energetic beat to it. Good vocals from here or from White here. Like he he gets into that it, it's not he's in a sweet range but he's not swinging singing sweetly. It's still like just this high register like rock singing. It's really cool. Um, and then they they add in some like clean guitar at the end to wrap it up. It's it's an awesome song. Yeah, this I think this is the first time you hear Jack go this high for this long. Yeah, and he kills it. Yeah, he he's awesome there. True. So yeah, another classic riff. So I've got two fun facts about this out, uh, song. One, it was expect it was suspected that he wrote it about uh, his ex Renee Zellweger, who even ah. he denied it at the time, but. Another uh, Blue Orchid was the name of a website of a that a group of Russians ran that involved a child pornography ring. So the line from the song "You took a white orchid and turned it blue" is some people were saying like maybe he had heard about that story and like used that as inspiration for the song. Hmm. He's had some pretty messed up motivations in I the past. I was going to say again, nothing's really off you know off limits here, so that makes sense. But yeah, I, I was wondering about that line as well. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really get it, but that could be it. Yeah, I mean, it could also be someone else had commented, like, perhaps it's about, like, this, the, the music and entertainment industry and just, like, the turmoil that it goes through, and I don't know. Sure, I could see that, too. The next song is interesting. Uh, it, I, is, so, this is The Nurse. Is Meg playing xylophone at the top of the song? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the fuck that is. It's a totally new sound, and I don't think it works. I th- I'm not a fan of this one. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. This is another stinker. I think this is the first album they Meg starts playing a variety of different like hand instruments. Uh we'll call them percussion instruments probably. That's probably the right term for it. Uh yeah, the xylophone at the top is weird. Uh other than that, it's like a soft simple song for the most part. There's one little spurt at the end where the guitar and the drums just like crash in for like 10 20 seconds uh then they back out again and it softly just exits the song not not one of my favorites same so but one of my favorites the next track my doorbell yeah another classic this is a pop song i'm not taking any shit from either of you about it this is a pop song i agree it's very well done though very not stripes but it works yeah yeah, for sure. Well, this is back him back up in his high register again, kind of. It's not as high as Blue Orchid, nearly, but um, he's more singing in his, in his normal octave, just on the higher end of that octave. Um, it, it's 
kind of campy. It's fun. It's yeah, it's, it's a like, good song. It's like a cool like love song. Just like, yeah. You know when you when you coming over. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the next song is just all right for me. Forever for her is over for me. Yeah, I don't know. Slow piano track. Uh, it picks up a little bit throughout. Um, get some energy in there. Just wasn't for me really. Yeah. Not a, not a huge fan. I think it's just kind of middle of the pack. Yeah. Uh, the next song. I'm curious to hear what you guys think about this one. Little Ghost. I could see myself listening to this again in the right situation. Um, it's this like fast acoustic sing along song. Um, Jack's got the sweet vocals here again, uh, and Meg's on it too. Meg's on the vocals here as well. Yep. Uh, it's not, you know, bread and butter, but in the right situation, I could catch myself listening to this. Yeah, I think this is another newer kind of sound. Uh, they're they're experimenting again. Um, not quite sure why, because White Blood Cells and Elephant were so good and mm-hmm. gave them such success that mm-hmm. I'm not really sure why they changed their sound so drastically. I don't think this one's t- too bad. I uh, I like this better than Nurse, but not one of my favorites. Yeah, this I for me, this is like one of my least favorite songs. It sounds like he's trying to do like a country voice. Did you guys think you guys? Yeah, up on that? I kind of like, I kind of think now that you say it. Yeah, that might be what I was trying to explain about the sing along feel to it. Um, it's just. Yeah, it's a little off for sure. But that that right there is the debate that started this show is how much should an artist change their their sound as they go through their catalog? <laughs> mm-hmm. I was actually I was thinking about this the other day. I was reading some TikTok comments and I was uh, I ended up DM with this guy and <laughs> about the pod. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, that really is the the essence of this show is like. When an artist changes their sound, if they change their sound, to what extent will they do it and how well will it work? That's kind of like the essence of what we're doing here. That's why we like look into it, aside from like the, the fun other stuff. But seeing an artist like grow or kind of uh, succumb to their own doings is, is one of the real interesting things about doing this pod. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And uh, yeah, to Alex's point, like the last two albums are so good. And then this one, it, it experiments and it just it just doesn't hit the same for there. They, there's some really good hits on this album, but there's some really not so good stuff, too. Mm-hmm. So the next song is uh, another one of my favorites. Yeah. The Denial Twist. Love yeah. this one. This, this song's got like it sounds like maybe like Morocco's on it. Like I was wondering back. about that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's another thing. So like I mentioned, uh, Meg's starting to like interact with different instruments. And so I think the hand symbols is one of those things. Uh, it's either maracas or hand symbols. You can't tell really, but um, this is a good piano song, up tempo, good energy, good vocals, just upbeat, fun song here. Yeah. You know, if you think that a kiss is all on the lips, come on, you got it all wrong, man. And if you think that our dance was all on the hips, oh, well then do the twist. Just a <laughs> cool, cool song. Yeah. Again, very another th- one with like no chorus, very theatrical. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't really care for the next song. It's like a slower piano-based song, White Moon. Yeah, it's just so boring. Forgettable. 100%. Uh, next one, Instinct Blues. Uh, song about sex. I don't really like this one either. I kind of like I just like the music on this, or the guitar in particular. Yep. I, I, I like musically. I think it's fine. I think everything else is just kind of... Yeah, because okay. isn't this the one lyrically where he just he's he keeps saying like like with different animals and different things, like he keeps going. He's like, oh, the birds, and then the, he's like, yep, the, the crickets get it, the ants get it. I bet you the pigs get it. Hey yo, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Weirdo. 
<laughs> uh, what's kind of interesting about this song is it, it opens, it, it almost sounds like he's just kind of sitting in the studio trying to like figure something out. And so he's just kind of like haphazardly plucking away on the guitar. And then he, it, it sounds like he's getting closer and closer to where he wants to be until he finally just gets right into the riff, which is kind of a cool way to open the song. Um, and like I said, the guitar throughout is, is good, but it's like this weird, choppy, fuzzy, like distorted guitar. Um, and he really sends it at the end. Holy shit, he sends it at the end. But yeah, that's, other than that, the song's whatever. Um, after that one, we can get into Passive Manipulation. It's a like 30-second track with Megan vocals. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Not for me either. It bothers me. I'm yeah. not a fan. No, no I don't. <laughs> she gets a lot of hate. A um, little soft piano song, 30 seconds, whatever. Follows that up with Take, Take, Take. Uh, yeah, fellas. I, I do like this song. This is uh, I think this is Jack getting a little more famous and people kind of taking advantage of him, paparazzi kind of people and fans who just think that they're owed things from him. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of this one. Not like favorite track, but I, I do like this song. Yeah, I, I like this one a lot, too. So it's uh, it's about meeting Rita Hayworth and like in the and it just keeps going like uh, he keeps singing like and that was all that I needed. And yep. it's like. You know, I see her needing more and more. Yeah. And then I go up to her and then I ask her for a picture and then I ask her to sign this and then I forget, you know, the slip. And it's it's uh, lyrically, it's kind of kind of weird, but I I, I do really like this one. Kind of goofy. That's fun. Yeah, it's just a fun, upbeat track again. Uh, Mid tempo acoustic guitar mixed in with the piano. Uh, Good vocal work from Jack here. Good song. And it's yeah. So it's about meeting Rita Hayworth. who She actually died in 1987. So it's. Oh, yeah, that would have been when he was young, really young. Yeah. Uh, next one, As Ugly As I Seem. Eh. Music's fine here. It's not bad. It's just not exciting, I guess. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 okay. Yeah, same with same with Red Rain for me. Yeah, I think all, all the last three are. Remember what we've been saying about Meg playing weird instruments? I think she's playing a triangle at the top of this song. <laughs> uh hard high energy chords here with simple like quiet verses it's not uh, this is another oil and vinegar feel to to me but i don't know yeah they're trying things yeah and then the the last the closer for the album is i'm lonely in parentheses but i ain't that lonely yet it's uh, a ballad about missing people i think i really like this song i'm not convinced yet but it's just it's like got this old school like bluesy piano feel to it, and, and the only music throughout the entire song is piano. There's no drums, no nothing. It's just piano. Uh, it's got this like bittersweet feel to it, um, but it's not like overly sad or overly happy. Uh, it's it's a strange emotion, but um, I, I I think this is a cool song. Yeah, for me, I I don't think it's anything special because, like you said, not very emotional. Just kind of forgettable to me. Not not bad, but yeah. I get that. Yeah. So that closes out Get Behind Me Satan. And the last album here, I don't have the year for this. It's 2007, though, right? Yes. Can yep. I uh, can I say something before that? Yeah, of course. So in, in the meantime, between Get Behind Me Satan and Icky Thump, he gets together with his buddy Brendan Benson from Detroit, and they form the Rock on Tours, which is his second project, basically. And they put out Broken Boy Soldier in 2006. Uh awesome album you guys should listen to the first they've only got three albums now they had 06 08 
and then they just put one out a couple of years ago. They got back together. Oh, cool. It's called After a Bunch of His Solo Stuff. But they all got back together and toured. Uh, so, yeah, at this point, he's starting to branch out, uh, but he does stay with the Stripes for this album, Icky Thump 07. Yeah, uh, I guess I, w- I, w- I would be interested to know if Meg had problems with that. That's that's a very good point. I don't know how much that contributed to the breakup of the White Stripes after this. Yeah, so I've got a note on this album. Uh, Jack White was being interviewed, and he asked, he was asked how the album came to be, and he said the Raconteurs tour was ending, so he said, I called up Meg and said, I've got some time coming up here in December and January. Maybe we should get together. Uh, and they had a couple songs left over from the last album, so they – both went down to Nashville for a couple of month, couple months, and just kind of started hammering the album out. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. with some of the leftovers that they already had, um, and he said, "This is the first album where I had a chalkboard on the wall to write down the names of things we recorded in January. But in December, that chalkboard was empty. We had a couple riffs, but not one finished song. A lot was written in the studio, and this happens a lot with us. Only for the first album did we actually have songs written." Yeah, so that's exactly what we were talking about before, right? Sounds like creatively, he's kind of tapped out. Yeah, a little yeah. bit worn down. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, look at how close these albums are releasing to each other. I mean, especially for the first three, you had 99, 2000, 2001, up to White Blood Cells. I mean, They're putting out an album every year, then every two years. And I mean, that's a lot of pressure. Well, plus, you got to factor in, too. He does 05 for uh, Get Behind Me Satan, 06 Racket Tours, 07 Icky Thumps. Yes. Same kind of thing. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's a decade in the industry at this point almost. So, I and you've got seven, eight albums, seven albums? Yep. It's that's, that's a lot. But despite all that, the album opens with an absolute banger, Icky Thump. Wow, the guitar is sick on this. This is his master class on guitar, his magnum opus. It's fantastic. Clean, a little bit fuzzy, slightly fuzzy, but mostly clean. Just like almost hair metal-y guitar. But he, he's taking it up and down in levels. It's loud as fuck. Uh, his vocals here are cool. They, they like he's... Almost not grovelly, but like he's kind of like yelling at the mic. Almost it sounds like a little bit. Um, this song kicks ass. Absolutely. Three and a half minutes of ass kicking. Yeah, <laughs> his, his attitude matches the guitar perfectly in this one. It's about uh, a lot of like racism. Yeah, uh, yeah. Talking about cleaning bathrooms himself. Well, yeah, the song's about a cl- uh, Mexican cleaning lady yep, that, that hits them over the head and steals from them. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, why don't you kick yourself out? You're an immigrant, too. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, you can really feel what he was uh, thinking when he wrote this song. I, I love this. This is a top stripe song. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, to your point, this song's about immigration. Uh, he's telling a story of a guy who goes to Mexico to have some fun, enters the country drunk in the back of a wagon, sig- you know, signifies how easy it is to get into another country, um, has a run-in with a, a Mexican redhead woman that offers him a place to send, spend the night, yet he's still rude to her. Uh, and then in, like, the third verse, he kind of points out some of the hypocrisy of, like, Americans, like, you know, not wanting anyone else to enter the country. Uh, and that's what he's, you know, that's where he says, white Americans what, n- or white Americans want nothing better to do. Why don't you kick yourself out? You're an immigrant, too. Oh, and then uh, uh, this badass line, who's using who? What should we do? Well, you can't be a pimp and a prostitute, too. Yep. Mixed in with uh, just riveting guitar there. That section in particular is sick. Uh, quick tangent. When the stereotype is true, so I I drove from Mexico into Arizona one day when I was living in Mexico because I had to go pick up something from uh, a, like a boss's house or something. 
And so when I drove up to the Mexican-American border from Mexico side, it was standard, you know, immigration procedure. Nothing crazy. Driving back into Mexico, however, is wild. Uh, where I was, where I drove through, they basically had a flag system. And if you got a green flag, you just kept driving. Nobody stopped you. And wow. if you got a red flag, they stopped you. And so they saw two white guys coming through the border at like 930 at night. And so they stopped us. And uh, he didn't take our passports or nothing. He asked why we had boxes in the back. We told him like we had a couple boxes for work. And he just said, all right, have a good day. <laughs> it was wild. I couldn't I, like getting into Canada is way harder than that. Canadians like it's pretty cool. It's pretty chill. Getting into Mexico should be way harder than that, given how hard we make it for them to get here. Holy <laughs> shit. But yeah, wild. Anyways, um, yeah, so Icky Thump, awesome, awesome kickoff to this album. Uh, great work. Follows that up with You Don't Know What Love Is. I would argue another great song off this album. Yes, I love this one. Yeah, just high-energy blues track here. There's, like, really good guitar work, but a lot of, like, heavy chords kind of. Um, you get a good, hard, clean solo at the end, too, that's, like, a little bit reminiscent of Icky Thump. Um, and actually, you'll get that a lot in this album. This album is kind of like laced with clean, like quick solos. Um, this is another good example of that. It's a really good song. Joey, anything? Yeah, so this was uh, what we had talked about, I think, two albums ago, where he was touring with Bob Dylan, and this was where he just got the urge to write a song. So he wrote this song. The next day, he took it to, to Bob Dylan. He's like, hey, I just wrote this song. You know, what do you think? Uh, and Dylan had a sharp intake of breath, and then he's like, you know, that's a bit strong. But what key is it in, man? Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the song is about someone getting pushed around like in a relationship and they kind of let it happen because it's yeah. like they think they're in love. But, uh, you know, they're being abused. Yeah. Yeah. Really good, powerful song. It's 60-something Bob Dylan just like, Sonny, that's, uh, that's a bit much, isn't it? <laughs> uh. Yeah. The next song, too, is uh, another one that I really like. The 300-mile-per-hour torrential outpour blues. I got to tell you, this was a bit of a misnomer here. Really? When I when I saw this track for the first time, I was expecting Icky Thump again. This is not Icky Thump at all. It's very much like a sweet, almost jazzy kind of like soft rock song. Um, it's got this cool, like hard solo at the end, but it goes right back to this like slow, jazzy feel to it. Um, it's a good track here. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's anything too special. Nothing they haven't done before. But, Agreed. Uh, yeah, easy listening. Yeah, easy listening. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, so he started this. He wrote this on acoustic, and then he's like, oh, I just had an idea to use as many different styles of blues as I could in one song. That shows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> that's a good point. That's interesting. Because it goes from, like, screeching and, like, distorted to heavy blues sounds, and then it's, like, uh, more, like, loungy, and then, like, I don't know. Like more yeah. country, like Western, it's, it's so yeah. many different styles. Yeah, I yeah. feel like it fits this album pretty well. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, this album is kind of like spotted again. They're still trying different things. They're trying a lot of different things, but it feels a little bit more like put together, maybe. Yeah, cohesive. I think. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. They they've kind of got a sound that they're going for on this album, and I think most of the songs on this album hit it. Yeah. So conquest is the next track, which it kind of sounds like in the opening, like it's like a Lion King a little bit. Yeah. Speaking of like songs that the music like fits perfectly if you didn't hear anything else if there was no vocals conquest to those horns as you like come into the song 
is a perfect title for this track. Yep. Um, Sounds like you're marching the battle. Uh-huh. 100%. It's a really, really cool, like, mix in with these horns. Um, high energy stuff here. Like, good level on the guitar. There's this... Uh, I love the solo on this song where he, he, he's got the horns blaring, and then he matches the horns with the guitar back and forth. Back, It's so fucking cool. I love this song. Yeah. Musically cool. Lyrically, it's... Sorry, right. Lyrically, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm music. It, it's God. This is one of my favorite songs. It's so cool. Yeah, kind of. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, that's all. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, next one is Bone Broke. Kind of same thing here, where the music is really good. The lyrics are just all right. Yeah, I don't know. This one's kind of a miss for me. Yeah, it was definitely wasn't my favorite on the album. Mid tempo, high energy, loud. Uh, kind of like the guitar riff, but again, just not my favorite here. Yeah. Next one, Prickly Thorn, comma, but Sweetly Worn. These next two songs are interesting. Uh, this first one here, Prickly Thorn, but Sweetly Worn, is essentially an Irish jig, or that's a, that's what it feels like. Uh, there's a lot of bagpipe and kind of that old, like, like choppy, uh, uh, weird acoustic, like Irish sounding guitar throughout. Um, it's an odd choice. Odd choices were made. Yeah, well, upon re, I used to think the song was all right when I was younger, and then I re-listened to it. I'm like, this is a little bit annoying, but then it goes into the interlude, and then I think after that, like Saint Andrew, I mean, as the interlude. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Where I think both these tracks for me are just kind of forgettable. Oh, yeah. I very much disagree. Saint Andrew does it for me. The guitar there, it, it's again, that's more like Icky Thump because so he's still got the bagpipes and the I think he's still got that choppy acoustic going there, but he's thrown in like this clean loud as fuck electric like solos on top of it fast hard solos on top of it um that's what kind of like gets me going with this band um it's not my favorite song ever i would definitely skip prickly thorn Mm -hmm. on a listen through i would probably give this one another go and it's not i'm not saying it's anything it's some masterpiece but it's a cool like listen it's just him like going to work he putting his head down and doing business it's cool and after that, we're following it up back to our little songs, Little Cream Soda. The best of the littles. I I mm. think I like Little Ac- I, That's actually a good question. What is the best of the littles? This is my favorite. I have that. I was thinking the same thing, might, honestly. I might be Little Acorn for me. Although the the uh, like the like narration at the beginning it's of the tough. song is kind of a drag. It's tough. Yeah, I think it's Little Cream Soda for me, too. Sharp, clean guitar, high tempo, high energy. Jack's doing this, like, talk singing throughout the song. Uh, kind of cool. Good song. Yeah, I like this one. This is one that I find myself listening to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I find myself listening a lot to the next one, Rag and Bone. I like this one, this too. This is a fun kind of different track. Uh, so they spend the – Jack and Meg are both on the vocals here, and they spend the whole song almost, like, kind of joking with each other um, about, like, hey, Meg, come on, don't steal from this guy, but if he's not going to use it, I mean <laughs> – We'll take it for sure. Uh, almost like implying, like, yeah, fucking steal it. This rich guy won't even know. But um, it, it, this is just kind of a fun, bluesy track to me. I, I really, really like this song, too. Yeah, so rag and bone is a, a British term for a guy who goes door-to-door collecting junk. Oh, I didn't know that. And so so Jack White got the idea for this song from his wife at the time, uh, who's, you know, British, and told him, uh, that as a kid, she wanted to go off with the rag and bone men. Like that was gotcha. like the term. And um, then in an interview with uh, Rolling Stone, he said, I think 
songwriters are all junk collectors at heart. We take other people's problems and try to make something beautiful out of them. So that's like kind of the inspiration for the song. It's kind of the old bit of like no idea or there there hasn't been a new idea in, in forever. <laughs> you ever heard that? Yeah. Basically all ideas are the same ideas that have been said before. Um, Except for that washer and dryer and one that you had last week. Was that last week I said that? I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe two weeks ago. I don't know. It's been a while. Uh, but yeah, I got plenty of those, yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, really cool song. Uh, strange, like, Eat the Rich in 2007 is a little strange, but... Ahead of his time. Ahead of his time. <laughs> Maybe it is just about junk, though, because, I mean, the song is like, well, could you ever sell it rag and bone? Bring out your junk and we'll give it a home. A broken trumpet or a telephone. Ah, come on. Ah, come on. Ah, come on. Come on and give it to me. Hey, side note, do you have a guy in the neighborhood here? I know when I was little, and he might still do it, that, like, if you put something out by the, cor- the curb, there's absolutely a guy in a beat-up <laughs> old pickup truck that's coming to pick that shit up. Yep. Dude, and at our old house, yes, not not in this not in this one. Yeah, we called him the Sheeny Man. I don't know why we called him the Sheeny Man, <laughs> but, yeah, dude, it didn't matter what you put out by the curb. If, so if, if it was there for a good six hours, it was gone. Even if it was, like, trash? Dude, and it was in the most fucked-up, disgusting-looking pickup, like, small pickup truck you've ever seen, dude. Mm-hmm. Rusted to the core, just piece of shit. But, yeah, anything you put out there was gone. Yeah, at our old house, I remember walking around the sub one time, like, early in the morning, and someone had put out just, like, a pile of, like, it was all, like, junk. And, yeah. like, these two, they had to have been, like, some kind of drug addicts, but they, came, like, they like came up in this beat-up, beat-to-shit pickup truck with, like, like, they'd already been picking for, like, trash yeah. for like, the last four hours. <laughs> They got out of the car and like they they both just looked super strung out. I was like, ah, this must you guys must be working. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a crazy way to earn an income, man. Think they're about like, that. They're at the office right now, <laughs> <laughs> just picking up scrap metal here and there wherever they can get. <laughs> Fuck, that's crazy, man. Um, all right, next song here is "I'm Slowly Turning Into You." Interesting little track here. Uh, he's got the keyboard tuned like an organ, kind of, which is something they've done before. Um. Still a little strange sounding to me. Vocal work is really, really good here. Uh, good energy, good tempo, good song. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of this one. The, right before the chorus, when uh, when he hits that guitar and it just turns way down, and mm-hmm. he just oh man, can't get enough of that. Yeah, Love that song. Sick. I, yeah. This is probably the only Stripes album that I think the second half is actually stronger than the first. Facts. Rather, other than Nicky Thump, that's, yeah, that's no, the exception. That's, I mean, that's the best song on the album. I think you're but. right. Yeah, th- I mean, this is a really good song about, you know, a person who's in love with someone but doesn't know how to live with them. But yeah, this this is definitely uh, one worth checking out. And same with, same with, I like the next song too. Me too. A Martyr for My Love for You. Yeah, the title's a little strange. I'm not sure how that works, but uh, aside from that, I got like Tom Petty vibes here. You know what I'm saying? Not quite country, but not quite rock. Uh, and also not like a like when I think country rock, I think like Leonard Skinner. But like, no, it's not quite that either. It's more like a Petty vibe. Hmm. Um, it, it's also got like this Western kind of feel to it, too. Uh, organ tuned keyboard again here. Good song. Yeah, he's, like, going back and forth with himself. He's like, I could stay a while, but sooner or later I'll break your smile. And I can tell a joke, but one of these days I'm bound to choke. And we could share a kiss, but I feel like I can't go through with this. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's always – he's been a good songwriter for a long time. This is good stuff here as well. For sure. Yeah. The next one is another uh, blues-titled track, Catch Hell Blues. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too, when I brought up the little thing, is he's got almost every album has, like, a, a blues-titled track. This one has two. 
Um, yeah. But anyways, yeah, Catch All Blues, it, as it mentions, bluesy, kind of like at this strummy, like, not strummy in the sense of like chords, but like you hear each like note as it's going through the strum. Um, it's got this like hard and fast guitar with like clean licks tossed in here and there. Uh, good stuff here as well, I agree. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this one. Um, the first, when I used to know this song, uh, just thought it was a great song. Upon re-listening for this podcast, I can hear Raconteur's music. I, <laughs> I can, the influence is so there. It, yeah. it literally sounds like a song that comes out in their next album, uh, Consolers of the Lonely, in 2008. Uh, it's called Top Yourself, and it sounds so similar. Uh, but this is comes out first, so yeah, it's yeah. kind of cool to hear uh, where his uh, direction was going at that point. That maybe is cool. Maybe I'll give Tours a listen this week. I haven't really dug into that too much, but we we should do it on here, like at some point down the line. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so they only have three albums. Three albums. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would be easier. Yeah. Three albums. Um, then it, this album closes out with Affecting Cause, which to me is kind of kind of cheesy. It's cheesy, but like it, the way he puts it in the song, it makes sense. Well, he go, yeah, he goes, well, you can't take the effect and make it the cause. I didn't rob a bank because you made up the law. Like, well, yeah, no shit. It's cheesy. Yeah, it's about like making up your own problems. And I think this is kind of along the same line as uh, Rag and Bone, where it's just kind of jokey, kind of fun. And uh, I don't think it's anyth- th- anything too serious. Yeah, I wasn't having fun listening to it, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely not the bright point in the album. Yeah, I definitely had forgettable. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of good songs in this album, so it's easy to be lost in the in the shuffle there, I guess. Yeah. So you guys want to do top ten first or album rankings? Um, I got another thing to add on. Oh, okay. So uh, Jack had said that uh, Seven Nation Army was going to be his song if he ever got selected to do a Bond theme, but then he just got impatient and put it out on Elephant. And then in 2008, he was chosen for the Bond no. theme of Quantum of Solace, and he wrote Another Way to Die. Oh. And I, it's I'm not familiar with that. Is it good? It's okay. It's, uh, yeah, just kind of middle of the pack. It's not something I find myself listening to a lot, but, yeah, he, uh, he got chosen shortly after that came out. <laughs> Poor bastard. Yeah. And um, also, short, uh, this is probably 2012, 2013. Uh, so Jack grew up band has been broken up but jack grew up in detroit his mom was actually an usher at uh the masonic temple in detroit yo cool so uh they got converted to uh a music concert theater as you guys know um and they went bankrupt and he saved it he donated like a million plus dollars to save this so now he's got the jack white amphitheater and that's where he plays oh that's awesome he comes to detroit most of the time i did not know that yeah yeah, because he said, you guys uh, funded my mom, who put all, all of us seven kids through. So I thought Hell that was yeah. just kind of a cool, fun fact. Super cool. I don't think he's around too much anymore. Well, I don't think he's around too much anymore, but he's still. I feel like he's done a lot for the city. Yeah, he's, he's cool still, uh, when when we've seen him a few times in Detroit here, he's uh, he's brought out his mom. His mom still lives around here. Nice. He has Meg come out sometimes. When we saw the Rock and Tours a few years ago, he had Meg sitting side stage with his kids. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So he's still very involved in the community. He played the uh, national anthem at the Tigers' opening day couple, uh, last year, I think. So yeah, I was thinking about that too. Right. Yeah, I think it was last year. Yeah, he's Sounds still familiar. very involved around here. Yeah, that's awesome. Before we move on, do you have anything else you want to say about uh, Jack White or the the Raconteurs? Um, 
No, after Raconteurs uh, put out their second album in 08, and they all kind of went their separate ways. There's yeah. uh, there's three guys in that band that are all pretty big songwriters. Um, but he joins up with another one, uh, Brendan, also named Brendan. I can't remember what his last name was. Something or other. Um, but they formed the Dead Weather. Um, they put out, I think, two albums. I'm not a big fan of the Dead Weather. Uh, Jack White is not the vocalist for that band. He has a female vocalist. They have a couple songs that he still plays once in a while, but uh, not nothing great, I don't think. But then he goes solo with uh, Blunderbuss in 2012, and he's been solo since then. Put out five albums. Phenomenal. If you guys want to get more into Jack White, I mean, I think his sound is as good as it's ever been. I agree. I've listened to just a handful of his solo stuff, and I he does really, really nice work on his solo. It's phenomenal. Yeah, I've only listened to maybe a handful of songs, but what I have heard, I've enjoyed yeah, and so that kind of wraps it up with Jack White today, guys. So let's get into our concert set list, albums and songs rankings, and then we'll wrap up for the day. What do you want to do first? Let's do our song list first, 10 to 1. This will be fun with three of us here to see uh, who's got the best list and who's got the crap list. Well, we already know who has the crap list, so <laughs> why don't you just go ahead? Fine, I'll lead us off here. 10 to 1, I've got My Doorbell, The Hardest Button to Button, We're Gonna Be Friends, Blue Orchid, The Same Boy You've Always Known, I'm bound to pack it up. I can't wait. Icky thump. Dead leaves on the dirty ground. And then Seven Nation Army, of course. No fell in love with a girl. That's interesting. That is interesting. I like that. Th- that was one of the ones that, uh, like, going, like <laughs> trying to decide, like, on the border. Come on now. No, I think that's heresy. But <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let me go through here. Ten to one. Start ten is my doorbell. Nine, Little Cream Soda. Eight, Catch Hell Blues. Seven, Black Math. A six is Blue Orchid. Five is Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground. Four, Conquest. Three, Fell in Love with the Girl. Two, Seven Nation Army. One is Icky Thump. You know why it's not on the list? Because it's too short. You're too short. I'm actually taller than you. Your hair's bad. <laughs> well, don't get me started <laughs> on bad hair. <laughs> uh, all right, Alex. I love having hair. Shut up. <laughs> so my, my I, I, I included five that I didn't list, but I felt bad for not listing them. Union Forever, Denial Twist, Apple Blossom, Canon, and I'm slowly turning into you. Didn't make the list. I'm sorry, Jay. No, good stuff. Hypnotize is number 10. Same Boy You've Always Known, Blue Orchid, Hardest Button to Button, Icky Thump, Black Math at Five, Fell in Love with a Girl, Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground, Ball and Biscuit at Two. Whoa. And then Seven Nation Army. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I struggle between Icky Thumb and Seven Nation Army. I just, I think the thing for me is it's just so much, like, musically uh, more complex than yes, Seven that's, Nation Army. that's fair. Icky Thumb's nah, you're a great wrong. song. Seven Nation Army is the clear number one here. I think it is. I, when he gets to playing that live, man, you haven't lived till you've heard that. Yeah, he doesn't, no, he doesn't use a bass guitar at all in Seven Nation Army. It's, oh, really? Yeah. It's just like a normal acoustic guitar. He's just thumping on the high string. Yeah. 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 It is phenomenal. Yeah, he ends almost every cool. concert with that. Hell yeah. Well, that's interesting. So let's get into that then. Concert set list, gentlemen. Same order as before. Or, sorry, albums. We got to do albums first. Okay. Yeah, let's do albums first. All right. I'll go first here. Uh, the From worst to first, self-titled album is, is the, my least favorite, followed by Distill. Uh, and then Get Behind Me, Satan, Icky Thump, White Blood Cells, and Elephant. 
And I'll give uh, I'll, g- I, I, I'll give ratings for each of them too. So self-titled, I had it like a three and a half. Like I think I might have saved like two songs off there. Uh, Distill six and a half. Get behind me, Satan six point seven five. Icky Thump eight. White Blood Cells eight and a half. Elephant eight point seven five. Fair enough. I don't think we're gonna be too far apart, honestly. Uh, worst to first, White Stripes comes in at six. I'll give it like a yeah, probably like a three something, three two. Uh, Distill doesn't get much better of a ranking. That'll be fifth, maybe three, no, nah, four. I'm going to give it a four, just solid four. Uh, at four, we're going to have Get Behind Me Sat- Satan. That is five, six. Um, White Blood Cells after that, we're going to give it a solid 7.5. Elephant, uh, 7.9. And then rounding out with Icky Thump, 8.3. So we were a little bit different there. Yeah. A little bit. Icky I mean, you guys, are, you guys are both going to have Elephant at one, and I'm going to have Icky Thump there. Correct. Um, I just we talked about uh, we talked about how much the guitar is is clean, like it's so present on Icky Thump. Um, and I, I've I've spoken to you both before about that. Just kind of like that that does it for me. So that's probably why I have Icky Thump at one. But it's it's a close call for sure. So, Alex, go ahead. So, I just ranked them. Uh, I got to steal last. Um, and then self-titled. Uh, Get Behind Me Satan at four. Icky Thump at three. And then I struggled greatly with between White Blood Cells. But I got White Blood Cells at, at two and Elephant at one. I think White Blood Cells has more tracks that I like, but I think Elephant has the quality it's, yeah. that I just can't Home run it. hitter. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, Alex, your our lists were pretty close. We just swapped the last five and six. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and I think your guys' taste in music is maybe a little bit more similar than my taste in music to either of you. Um, so like, I wanted to bring. Well, up you're wrong, and I hate you. Yeah, I know. Um, one of the bands you really like, or at least used to like, that I never really got into was the Decemberists. Is yep. That the, still like them. Uh, you ever listen to them? No, no I don't think I've ever heard. Very a song. folky. I'll check it out, December. I don't know if that's necessarily something you would like, but I remember me not liking it at all. And so, <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen them almost as many times as I've seen Jack White. Oh wow, <laughs> they're they're really cool. They sound like they're European or something. They're from fucking Portland. They're just a bunch of hipsters, but they are really. I love their sound. Yeah. Um. When we do the grab bag in a couple weeks, you want to do like artists or groups where someone has told you to listen to them, and at first you listen to them, you're like, oh, this sucks, and then like they grow on you slowly. <laughs> Uh, that's a very niche category. I, well, I can think of like three or four off the top. Give me one. Lil Dicky. I hated Lil Dicky for the longest time. Like my buddy Reed was like, oh, you got to check him out. And I was like, dude, this is trash. Like <laughs> how, how, how could anyone just sit and listen to this? Like it's, it's just so stupid. But then the more I, I, I think he showed me like saved that money. And then I was like, okay, this kind of slaps. And yeah. then, uh, the more I listened to it, I was like, oh, actually it's kind of funny. I never disliked him, but I, for a long time, I just kind of looked at him as like almost a spoof writer. <laughs> Like, uh, oh, you remember, um, uh, there used to be like a lot of YouTube clips of guys doing like spoof songs. You remember like, yeah, the, like Weird Al. Yeah. The, the yeah. Most stuff like famous? that. Yeah. 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 So, um, but I don't know. real quick too. And now I'm back to hating Lil Dicky because he hasn't put an album out in like seven years because he's doing TV. Yeah. He's got the Dave show, right? Yeah. And on his first album, he's like rapping about how he wants to be the best rapper alive. And it's like, oh, but I'm just not going to put an album out cause I'm going to do TV. He's making money dog. I, I, yeah. I mean, you ever watch that show? No, I haven't. It's pretty funny. That's what I've heard that from so many people. Pat's watching the third season right now. He says it's pretty good. Actually, he said it's the best one yet, so I haven't gotten around to it, but it's on Hulu. So, um, 
One more thing before we get into albums, and this is actually, re- or before concert. we get into concert, but this is related. That Stone Temple Pilots show we saw at the Fillmore way yes. back in the day, was that the loudest room you've ever been in? It sure felt like it because I was, what, 13, 14? Something like that. And I was not ready. That was my first concert. Breathtakingly loud. I could not believe it. But, dog, how close were, were we to getting that drum sign? It was right over my Right over our heads. He, he literally reached up and almost had it. I, oh. heard that, I heard you mention that. I was like, he better mention it because we were right there. We <laughs> oh. stayed right to the very end. That would have been so fucking cool, too. Oh, man. Anyhow. Um, cool. So let's get into our concert set list for White Stripes and we can wrap up today. Yeah. So opener here, I had Black Math. Yeah. Solid rock. Solid. Great. One where you recognize it right away. Yep. And it gets people going. For the encore, I have for track number one, Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground. It's another one. You hear the first couple notes, and you're just like, you're ready to go. Solid. Uh, and then I have, to kind of break it up, We're Gonna Be Friends at number two, like kind of like an acoustic, like just soft. Yeah, that's cool. And then for closer, I was debating between two, but I just, I did save the best for last, Seven Nation Army. Ours are very similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we're all going to have similar ones. Oh, maybe mine. Not so much. Anyways, opening, Fell in Love with a Girl. I think... It's unique that a band has a song that's 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 that short, but also that like powerful and has the, like the the pop like value to it. Um, I think you could rush in with "Fell in Love with a Girl" and then kind of do your introductions, and the crowd would be on fire. Hmm. Um, after that, for the encore, we're gonna start with "Icky Thump." Um, that's another one where I think you hear that first couple of notes and you know it instantly. Uh, gets the energy back up to the top. Follow that up with Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground, uh, just because I do like putting that softer song at two. And then Seven Nation Army close it out. Well, it's even more similar to mine. <laughs> so I got fell in love with the girl first. Yeah, fire. Um, yeah, I have seen him open with that before, even as a solo artist. It was 2014, his second solo tour. He opens with fell in love with the girl. It's fire. He, they just turned off all the lights. People start cheering. Point the lights right at the middle of the curtain, and then you just hear the guitar start, and then... As soon as it goes, doo, 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 and then he stops, and then the curtains raise, and he just starts going crazy. Starts singing. <laughs> That's sweet. Oh my god, I was jumping up and down. It's awesome. First encore, Icky Thump, same thing, Facts. so recognizable. See him walking back on the stage. That Hotel Yorba too. Okay. Um, and then Seven Nation Army. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So the reason, like, I think with I didn't have Icky Thump and Seven Nation Army in the encore because I'm like, he's probably closing out the set with one of those, and then I'm going to pick the other for, like, closing out the encore. I yeah. was thinking about that, too. That's fair. Yeah, I thought it was tough for me to figure out whether Seven Nation Army would close the set or the encore, but it's just – it. not only is it so popular, it's, like, massively popular. Like Seven Nation Army is one of those ones that has over a billion streams on its own. Yeah, I would say that's probably – I'm just guessing, like, ten times more popular than his next most popular song. I don't know. Like it's just, probably the, close you get to that. like I'm just making up a number, but you get the vibe, right? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, it's just it, it's gotten to a cult, like a, it's become part of the culture, man. It's crazy. Yeah, I guess to your point, Seven Nation Army has 1.3 billion streams. Fell in love with a girl is the second most streamed at 200 million. Yeah, so I so, mean, it's I not, guess, yeah, five I guess times, yeah. five, five six times. I could have said a billion. And then after that, that, Blue Orchid is 100 million. So yeah, you're, you're. I think you're on the money right there. Right. I'm surprised Nicky yeah. Thump isn't on there. I thought Nicky Thump would have been second. Yeah. Yeah, it's number five with 150. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's a good one today, fellas. About two hours. Not bad. Yep. Thanks for joining, Alex. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. 100%. Follow us on socials, everybody. TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Flip the Record. Um, 
like, review, subscribe on the podcast, and we'll talk to you later. Catch you on the next one real quick. Next week, Kesha. Oh, yeah. Following week, Grab Bag. Following week, Zeppelin. Yep, that's it. Thanks, guys. Bye.